Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call 038 no lie. Wake up call 038. No lie. Of course, I'm your host, and this is the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm glad that you're listening. Let's go to Numbers chapter 23. I'm going to read a couple verses, then we're going to talk about it, talk about the context these verses are in, and then we're going to discuss four facts about the faithfulness of God. Numbers 23 verse 18 says this, Then he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. Verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I've received a command to bless, and he is blessed, and I cannot reverse it. What we find ourselves here reading is Balaam's second prophecy. Balaam prophesied three different instances concerning the nation of Israel and then eventually of Christ. Now, before we get too deep in the weeds, who is Balaam? Maybe you're asking yourself that. Maybe you've never read this portion of Scripture in the book of Numbers, the fourth book of the Old Testament. Balaam, we don't really know anything about him up to this point, but when we get to Numbers chapter 22, we find out there's a prophet named Balaam. And I believe he was a prophet of God. There's sometimes a little, I don't know, argument there, but there's no way around it. There's this king called Balak, and Balak was the king of Moab. And when he sees Israel making their way through the wilderness, and they defeat the Amorites... Sihon. They defeat the Amorites in Basham uh, and Og. Excuse me, on their way to Basham, they defeat uh, Og, king of Basham, and then Sihon of the Amorites. And so then Balak sees their victory over this, over the Amorite nation. He then thinks, you know what? We were going to have to do something about this. In fact, Numbers 22 verse 3 says that Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Well, in Numbers 22, we see that Balak, this king of Moab, sends messengers to Balaam. And he tell, and they ask Balaam, look, we know that whatever you say, when you prophesy, things take place. And we want you to come. In fact, Numbers 22, verse 6 says this, Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me. Curse the people of Israel. For they're too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed. And he whom you curse is cursed. And this is why I believe Balaam was a true prophet of God. He had a reputation that whoever he blessed was blessed. And whoever he cursed was cursed. And, and not only that, Balaam then goes on to say that he can only say what God tells him to say. And in fact, he goes before the Lord. The Lord tells him, nope, you're not going with these people. So he tells these messengers from Moab, from King Balak's court, look, God told me I can't go with you. Sorry. So they go back. Balak then sends a second round of messengers with more honor, more honorable than them. 
And, and, and Balaam says, look, if you promise me your whole house full of silver and gold, all I can do is say what God tells me to say. And, and Balaam said, all right, that's fine. Come on, come on. And so ba- Balaam goes before the Lord again, even though God told him not to go. He goes before the Lord one more time. And the Lord says, okay, you, you can go, but when you go, you must say what I say. And uh, if you've read the story, you know what happens next. This is where some a very strange, miraculous things takes place in the Bible. It's one of the most interesting stories there is. And absolutely true, it took place, though it may sound like something out of a, a Lord of the Rings movie or something. It literally took place. Balaam, he's traveling to go see Balak. Balak and he's on a donkey, and he's going by way of donkey, and eventually this donkey begins to refuse to go down a path, go down the road. In Numbers 22, we see that. Well, he keeps trying to get the, his donkey to go down the path, go down that road, and eventually that donkey pushes up against a wall, refusing to go forward, but turns to the side, crushes his foot, and he gets off. He's mad at that donkey. The donkey just lays down, and he begins to beat the donkey, and then the Lord opens up the mouth of the donkey, <laughs> and the donkey says, Numbers twenty two twenty eight. what have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? Now, think about this, people. This donkey just talked to him. And what does Balaam do? He just talks back. <laughs> I think I find that so humor, hum, humorous. Excuse me. Humorous. I think it's so funny. Here's this donkey. He's beating this donkey because he won't. The donkey won't take him where he wants to go. He's just sat down. He's not going to do anything. And uh, then the donkey says, and by the power of the Lord, he, he's able to speak. What have I done to you? And then Balaam says, because you've abused me. I wish there was a sword in my hand so I could kill you. Not, not you know, wait a minute. You were able to talk this whole time and now you're just telling me? <laughs> now you're just talking to me? Or, you know, wow, you can talk. No, it's just... I'll tell you why I'm mad at you. <laughs> and, so, and so the donkey replies, I'm your donkey ever since you've had me, ever since you've ridden me. I've taken you everywhere you wanted me to take you. Was I ever uh, disposed or was I ever contrary to you? I mean, I, anything you needed me to do, I did it. And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw why his donkey quit traveling down this path because the angel of the Lord was in the road and God actually tells him, Balaam, if it wasn't for your donkey, I would have cut you down dead. I would have, this angelic soldier would have struck you down dead on the path. But because your donkey that you're beating now with your staff, you're alive. And God reminds Balaam again, in order for you, I'm going to let you pass. But you, when you get to where you're going with King Balak, He wants you to curse Israel. You must say what I tell you to say. So Balaam does. So Balaam, when he gets there, he sets up uh, seven altars with seven bulls and seven rams, offers the sacrifice to the Lord, goes before the Lord, gets a word from God. And in Numbers 23, 8 and 9, we see him say, How can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? And he begins to bless the nation of Israel prophetically. Well, Balak gets upset. He said, what are you doing? This is not what I'm paying you for. I'm paying you to to curse these people, not bless them. 
And, and so Balak says, look, let, let's go to another mountaintop. So they go to a different position. And that's when we read what we just read, Numbers 23, 19, and 20. goes on a couple more verses. Well, that gets even worse. Balak gets even more upset, the king of Moab, and says, look, this is not working like I thought it would. And, and, and Balak reminds them in Numbers 23, 26, So Balaam answered and said to Balak, Did I not tell you, saying, All that the Lord speaks, that's what I must say? Well, so Balak said, All right, third time's the charm. Let's go to another mountaintop. So he goes to another mountaintop. Guess what happens? You guessed it. Balaam blesses instead of cursing Israel for a third time. Balak gets very angry. He said, I can't believe you've done this. You did the exact opposite. These people that we're terrified of, we're, we want to destroy them so they don't destroy us. I wanted you to curse them. You blessed them. Instead of cursing them, you blessed them three times. Then Balaam goes on to prophesy one more time. And when he prophesies this time, he prophesies of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and some different things that will take place at Jesus is coming. That gives you a good context of what takes place. And then after that, we don't hear about Balaam again until Deuteronomy and Joshua. We hear about Balaam in Deuteronomy and Joshua because what we see in Numbers 25, it's really sad actually, and this is just a little extra side note. What Balaam couldn't do, which is curse Israel because God had blessed them, because it's just that simple. If you're blessed by God, you're uncursable. Let me tell you something. As a child of God, you are uncursable. It's that simple. You know, some people talk about generational curses and things like that. When you receive Christ, the blood of Jesus breaks every curse off your life. I don't care if it's been around for 10,000 years. I don't care what it is. The blood of Jesus breaks every curse because it breaks the curse of sin. And anything that would come against you can only come by way of sin. And if the curse of sin's broken off your life, then no lesser curse can be there and remain. But what's unfortunate is this, in Numbers chapter 25, the children of Israel are struck with plague. And it's because they entered into sin. 24,000 people fall down dead because of a plague. Because they went, as the scripture would say, whoring after other gods, but then also engaging in fornication. See, what Balaam couldn't do, which is curse Israel, Israel did to themselves and brought destruction. You and I are uncursable by any outward force, but we still must make a choice to walk holy unto God. Because if we make the choice, as Israel did, to get outside of the protection of the Lord, then things can happen. And that's what took place in Numbers 25. And how did Moab know to entice Israel with idolatry by way of intermarriage and harlotry? Balaam told, him, told Moab. We find this out in Second Peter, and the book of Jude, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. That Balaam obviously said, you know what, I can't curse them, but I tell you what they can't do, and if you can entice them to do it, then God himself has spoken that if you enter into idolatry, I will not bless you. I'll bring destruction on you. And that's actually a good follow-up to what I want to get to, which is 
Simply put, four facts about God's faithfulness. Numbers 23, 19. We see that. Uh, this, this verse is a good one to commit to memory. It says, God's not a man that he should lie, nor son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do, or has he spoken and will he not make it good? We're going to get into a few of those details, but before we do, just finishing up with that thought from Numbers 25, when Israel does to themselves what Balaam couldn't do, it's because God doesn't change. And if God's spoken it, it's so. And Balaam couldn't curse Israel. I, can't, I, mean, I mean, just keep it real plain and real simple and, and burn it into your heart, tattoo it into your mind. What Balaam couldn't do, which was curse Israel because the blessing of the Lord was on them, Israel did to themselves because of their choice of forsaking God and entering into sin. Don't give Satan an opportunity to enter into your life. I say that with all love, with all care. Do not give Satan an open door. Because what he can't do, which is force his will on your life, because you're covered and protected by the blood of Jesus, you can accommodate his will and allow it in your life by sinful action. Don't do it. The Bible tells us that. Give no place to the devil. Give no place to sin. Genesis chapter 4, God told Cain, don't you understand that if you'll do right, you'll be accepted just like your brother Abel. But sin is crouching at the door. Literally, that Hebrew word is an illustrative image, uh, imagery of a, of a leopard or a jaguar or animal a, a predator-type animal like that that is locked and loaded, ready to pounce the moment it gets a second. The moment it gets an opportunity, it's going to pounce on its prey. That's how sin is. That's, what's, that's how Satan is. He's waiting at the door, hoping you're going to make a mistake so that he can pounce in. Don't give Satan any room. Do not do it. Learn from Israel's mistakes. They are uncursable as long as they're in the will of God. But when you willingly walk out, choose to get out of the will of God, destruction comes. It's that serious. It's that real. Now, let's look at this. <clears throat> Four facts about God's faithfulness. First, God can't lie. He is not a man that he should lie. You know, sometimes people have lied to us, maybe, you know, unfortunately. We, we wouldn't be happy about it. it would act, we'd actually be ashamed of it, but I'm sure you and I would act, actually could say as well, we've lied. Now, you shouldn't still be lying. <laughs> let, no, no, let no dishonesty be found uh, among, among yourself. We shouldn't be continually engaging in lying, uh, but we've probably all lied before. Men lie. Women lie. People lie. People say things that they don't mean, they say things that they won't do, and they say things that they don't truly, well, I guess mean, you know. They, they'll, they'll say things maybe it's to win people's opinions. Uh, maybe, maybe it's to get on people's good side. Maybe it's to cover up something they've done. But people lie. But God doesn't. If 
God said it, it's so. There's nothing in this Bible, God's Word written to you, that you can't have. Because if God said it, it's so. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So every promise that God's given us is yes, and so be it. That's what amen means. Every promise that God's given to us is yes, and so be it. And that brings glory to God when we receive His promises. And the foundation by which we receive the promise of God is this. God can't lie. If He said it, it's so. It's ours. It's true. And it's available to us. The second thing we see here, God is not a man that He should lie. Second point, nor a son of man that he should repent. Now, uh, you, you know how we do here on the Faith for My Generation podcast. We get a little deep on certain things, and I want you to go deep with me. I want you to be well studied. I want you to know your Bible really well so that you can't be deceived or, or, or mistaken or, or hear something and, not, and begin to doubt what you know. Understand this. There are times we see point blank in Scripture, for instance, with Saul, King Saul. It's, uh, the, the Bible says that the Lord repented that he had made Saul king. Now, you might, someone might say, well, that, that just contradicts exactly what you just read. It doesn't. God was sorry. He was sorry like he said, man, I wish I had not made Saul king. That's, he repented of that in that sense. But he did not change his ways. He did not change his word. He was, up, he was upset and he regretted the fact that Saul was king because Saul chose to backslide and get out of the anointing and, you know, refuse to do his duty as a king. He's running around half of his kingship chasing David, trying to kill a man who was actually an ally and loved him dearly. We, we go to book of Jonah, and it says that in Jonah chapter 3, when the people in Nineveh begin to fast and pray and cry out to God, and really, they don't know him, but they said maybe he will be merciful. It, it's at least we at least we can give it a shot because we're all going to be destroyed. This prophet Jonah told us that God's going to destroy us. So maybe if we fast and pray, every one of us, every man, woman, child, even the animals, uh, sit in sackcloth and ashes. Who knows? Maybe he'll be merciful. And it said that God relented or repented or changed his judgment. But he didn't change his word, and he didn't change his nature. Because it's the nature of God to forgive. I hope that makes sense. God's not a son of man that he should repent. In other words, he's not going to change. He's not going to take back what he has said. You might say, well, I thought you just said he did that with Nineveh. Well, no. Remember the whole point of the, that book of Jonah Jonah gets mad with God in Jonah chapter 4 because when God saves Nineveh, 
after they repent or turn of their ways, Jonah said, Lord, I knew this was going to happen. You're merciful. You're kind. You forgive. And this is why I didn't want to come. Because if I came, I knew that you would give them a second chance if they repented. And Jonah didn't like the people of Nineveh. That's why he ran the complete opposite to Tarshish. And he gets swallowed up by a fish. Because Jonah knew the nature of God. And that's what doesn't change. The nature of God, His Word, who He is, that never changes. Because God's always been the God of salvation. He's always been the God of forgiveness and of mercy. That He will not repent of. There are instances where He may regret things have went the way they went. Or there's times where God said, I'm going to bring this kind of judgment. And then people change. And because God's nature doesn't change, he said, well, okay, you've met the criteria. You've met what I require of you, which is to repent. I will now stop the judgment that was coming and give you mercy instead. God cannot change his promises. And that's part of his promise. That's why God relented or held off judgment in Nineveh because he has promised to be merciful. Third thing I want you to see is this. God, it says, has he said and will he not do? What God says he'll do, he'll do. It's that simple. He will do what he says he'll do. And lastly, what he has spoken, he'll make it good. Now, really, Point three and four are just the same thing said in different ways. But that's not by accident. Anytime you see that take place in Scripture, it's on purpose because God wants to hammer that issue, that that understanding home, and, and get it deep in your heart. If He said it, He'll do it. If He's spoken it, He'll make it good. He'll bring it to pass. See, God, who He is... Is his nature is that he is faithful. And, and when, when we talk about God, don't, don't think of just some mist or some presence or some mm, spookiness out in yonder space. Uh, Jesus told us in John chapter 4 that God is a spirit. He must be worshipped in spirit and truth. But look through the Bible. We see it over and over again. God is a person, not a human being, but he is a being. He is a person. And, and it's so simple to see. The Bible, I don't take the hundreds of scriptures all figuratively when it says that God has hands, fingers, eyes, feet, loins, hair, <laughs> you know, a voice. He hears, so he has ears. We're made in his image. So we understand God's not a human being, but he is a being. He is a person. He is a, he is a spirit, but he's still a person. And he thinks and loves and feels like we do. Rather, we do like he does because we're made in his image. But God's not a man. He's not frail. He's not human. When he speaks, it's so. And that's one reason why God can't lie, right? Because when he says something... <laughs> 
<laughs> the entire earth shakes and trembles under his voice and changes and shifts and forms. Uh, in darkness, God says, light be, and there's light. That's one reason why God can't lie, because when it's all dark and he says, light be, there's just light. <laughs> it's hard to lie when, what you, when the words that you say carry creative power. As we finish up here, I want you to hear a couple verses. Malachi 3 verse 6 says this, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, you sons of Jacob. Because God is faithful, that's you and I are still here today. We're not consumed up because we can rely on the faithfulness of God. We can cry out to the Lord. We can stand on His promises. We can hold Him and ourselves to His Word, to His promises, and see the miracle power of God come to pass in our life so that we are not consumed or done away with. Luke 21, verse 23. Or, excuse me, Luke 21 Well, forgive me. Oh, here we go. 33. <laughs> Couldn't read my own handwriting. Luke 21, verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. God can't lie because his word is eternal. If he's spoken it, it's so. When he makes a covenant, it's forever. You know, one of the... You can see it in the ministry of Jesus. I'll give this example. The Syrophoenician woman who comes to Jesus says, Lord, my devil's, my daughter's vexed with a devil. Can you heal her? And he said, I can't because it's not right for me to take the bread from the children, speaking to concerning his ministry to the house of Israel. She said, sure, Lord, but even the dogs get crumbs. And he said, my goodness, faith like that, I can't deny. And what was he making a point? He's saying, I'm bound to bring the gospel first to Israel. Why was he bound? Because God had a covenant with Abraham. So here, 1,500 years later, God's still fulfilling, fulfilling his word to Abram or Abraham to bless, his, to bless his seed. Because God's word's not going to pass away. James chapter 1, verse 17. James chapter 1, verse 17 Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That, that variation or shadow of turning means obviously change, but it also has to do with movement. This, a good example of this is the northern star. You know, sailors for years, hundreds and hundreds of years, have used the northern star to guide their ships at night. Why? Because the northern star never moves. It's always there. It's constant. And that's how God is. He is the Father of lights. There's no variation. There's no shadow of turning. He's constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to encourage you. Have faith in God. Know this. He's not going to lie to you. If he's spoken it, he'll make it good. His power in you will bring to pass his promises every time when you receive it by faith. Stay steadfast in faith, knowing what God has promised. It will come to pass in your life. In Jesus' name. 
I believe you receive that now in the name of Jesus. Let no promise be too great. Let no promise be too big in your eyes, knowing that if God said it, I believe it, and it's mine in Jesus' name. (laughs) I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you so much. Well, hey, I'm thankful that you joined me for another wake-up call. Uh, Make sure to join me this coming Friday for our sixth installment of Who Is This Jesus? We're going to John chapter 14, The Way, the Truth, and the Life. I'm excited to get into that study with you as we can come to an end. I've got something prepared after that already. It's going to be really good. In fact, I'll give you a little preview. 30 things God can't do. Hmm. That's interesting. We already know one thing he can't do. He can't lie. But make sure you join me. And if you're not subscribed on the podcast channel, go ahead and do that wherever you're listening to find podcasts at. Make sure you're subscribed. That way you never miss a new episode. And uh, we'll see you next time. And remember, we are the faithful. God bless. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.